As, um, as Shane was saying at the beginning of our service today, he was saying that we're starting a new series uh, called Sweet Dreams. And we're, the Sweet Dreams st- uh, series that we're going to be doing for the whole month of November is all about one man. It's all about one guy named Joseph. If you were with us for the last series, you already know uh, a little bit about Joseph's background, his family background. You were with us when we were talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Abraham was uh, Joseph's uh, great-grandfather, Isaac was his grandfather, and Jacob was his father. And so we're now continuing the line of Abraham, looking at the, the, the man named Joseph. Joseph gets a, a large section of Genesis. We've devoted an entire series to him, an entire four weeks, just to his story, because his story is, is pretty complicated. There's a lot of different facets of it as it goes through, and so we've kind of divvied it up into four weeks throughout the series. Um, throughout the series, we're going to be trying to answer this question. What happens when God gives us a dream? What happens when God gives us something to dream about, some, some kind of vision for our life, some kind of focus for how he's going to use us? What happens when God gives us that dream? How does it, how does it get fleshed out? How does it get completed? How does it get fulfilled? Throughout the series, we're going to be trying to answer that question. And, and we want you to ask that question of yourself as well. What happens when God gives me a dream? At some point in your life, you've had big dreams. Uh, Maybe it was in high school, maybe it was in college. Uh, You had dreams and aspirations. I'm going to do this someday. I'm going to be this. I'm going to help this thing out. I'm going to invent this. I'm going to uh, become this kind of person. And you had these dreams and aspirations at some point. And then life happened. Things got in the way. Things came in. Other things left. The old dreams passed away. Reality set in. You grew up, you matured, things are different now. And, and, and that's normal, I think, for, for some dreams to die and other dreams to come in. I think that's just a natural life process. But what we're talking about throughout this series is, what if some of those dreams, what, just what if some of those dreams were God-given? They were dreams that God gave you specifically. They weren't things that you came up with, or they weren't dreams that your parents had for you, but specifically God himself gave you those dreams and they've, they've died off. They've kind of lapsed with time. Or maybe some, someone came in and destroyed those dreams for you. What we want to do with this series, what, what Shane and I have been praying about throughout uh, the last few weeks, is would God uh, reawaken or revitalize some of the dreams in you and, and in me? How, how could God do that in us? And we want this series to help, help with that. So we're going to be talking a lot about dreams throughout the series, of course, as the title of the uh, series would state. Joseph was given a dream by God himself. God, God himself spoke to Joseph through at, at least a couple dreams. We're going to look at two of them today. And we know that God wants to make his dreams come true, and God does make his dreams come true eventually later in life. And we're hoping that God's dreams for you will come true as well throughout the series. But first, some introduction from Joseph. If we're going to be spending time with this guy for a few weeks, we want to know a little bit about him, a little bit about his background. What kind of family did he grow up in? What kind of person was he when he was growing up in life? We're going to be looking at the first thing that we know about Joseph is when he was a teenager. So those who are, who are teenagers, will, they'll, rec- they'll, uh, they'll fit right in with the message today. Joseph was 17 years old when we pick up the story. And so we're going to be picking that up in Genesis chapter 37. If you have a hardbound Bible, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Uh, chapter 37 is where we're going to be. If you have a phone or a tablet, we have a, um, a U version. If you have the U version app, we have a live event that we put in there every week. We put all the verses in there for you so you don't have to go searching around for it. So um, just go ahead and jump on our Wi Fi. Our, our Wi Fi password is here to serve, all one word. 
and we'd love for you to follow along with us. So let's go ahead and see who this guy is. Uh, let's read the first five verses of Genesis chapter 37. It'll be up on the screen behind me as well. It says, so Jacob, this is uh, just his father, Jacob, settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. He has a little bit of a tattletale. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because, of their, because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And we'll get into the dream here in a second, but I want to just stop there just for a second so we can look at who Joseph was. One thing that we, is abundantly clear from the passage, there's several things that we can pull out, but one thing that we know for sure is that his brothers hated him, absolutely despised him. And some of the things that they hated him for were a little bit out of his control, but there were some other things that he definitely could have helped, he could have been better at, and they definitely hated him because of those things. So uh, at least three things that I can pull out that, that make it pretty obvious and pretty abundantly clear why they hated him. Uh, the first is that he was a little bit of a spoiled brat. He was kind of grew up spoiled. Uh, he was the favorite son, of course, and uh, he was kind of the, the baby of the family. If you are the baby of the family, like if you're the last born in your family, if, or is, are, first of all, are, are there any only child here? Like, is anyone an only child? Okay, right there. Uh, how about baby of the family? Like you were the last one born. Wow, a lot of us. Wow, that's way more than I was expecting. Okay, so um, I, I was the, the firstborn. I have one younger brother, so I, I wasn't the baby. But uh, those of you who raised your hands, uh, we now know that you guys are the privileged ones in the room. We, we know that you feel like the whole world is entitled to you, uh, that, that, that you feel like the world is your oyster. Um, you know, the baby of the family, that, uh, I kind of envy my brother in, in some, some cases because of the things that my parents tried out on me that didn't work. They never did it with him. Uh, the things that, that worked really well with me, he got like threefold, you know. Uh, so, so the baby of the family is, is going to be spoiled to a certain extent. And I think that happens naturally. We don't intend to make the baby the favorite or to dote on them anymore. It just happens. And so that was definitely Joseph. He wasn't the very last born, he was the, but he was the 11th out of 12 sons. So, um, so he, he definitely got a lot of the baby treatment. He also was the firstborn to Rachel. Now, we won't go into all the, all the desperate housewives specifics of what was going on with Jacob's family. He had four wives. We talked a little bit about it in the last series, but, but he had four wives. There was one wife that he loved the most. He said, this is my favorite wife. And then she, when she has a son, that becomes his favorite son because it's from the favorite wife. Um, if you've ever been there where you just can't have children, maybe, maybe a few of you just tried for years and years and years before you were able, to, and maybe some of you never had a child because you just couldn't physically do it. And, and, but if you were able to have a child after years and years of trying, when that moment comes, when you realize she's pregnant, this is going to happen, I'm going to be a father with her, she's going to be the mother of my child, that's a beautiful, exciting moment. 
And so that obviously is going to be a big deal for them when, when they were having the same trouble. They were not able to have a kid. This has been going on for generations in their family. Abraham and, and, uh, and uh, Sarah had the same problem. Uh, Isaac and Rebecca had the same problem. It, down, down the line, they are having trouble having kids, and, and Jacob and Rachel have the, the same problem. And so uh, when they finally have Joseph, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and so they spoil him because of that. Uh, we know he was spoiled because of the robe. Now, uh, different translations translate it differently. The translation we use this morning says a beautiful robe. Your translation may say a coat of many colors. Uh, it may say a technicolor dream. No, I don't think any of the translations say a technicolor dream coat. But it may say uh, different things. But most of them say some kind of color. Um, that's not necessarily wrong, but we don't know exactly what the word meant. What is implied by the word is that the robe was a long robe, which sounds kind of curious. Why would they make mention of, a, of it being a long robe? Back then, you know, people didn't have desk jobs, office jobs. Everyone worked with their hands. If you had a, a robe that you, you were going to work in, you would not want it to go all the way down to your wrist. That wouldn't make any sense because it would get in, in, in your way. If you were woodworking or blacksmithing or farming, you, you wouldn't want that robe to go all the way down to your wrist. So it makes specific mention that Joseph's robe was a long robe. It went all the way down to his wrist. If you were seen around town wearing this ornate long robe, people would think, oh man, that's, that's a man with privilege. That's a man that, that is, maybe he's a prince, maybe he's got a lot of money. He's coming from, from a stately family. And so that's what Jacob wanted to do for his son, Joseph. He's definitely spoiled because he gets that coat and you you know, gosh darn it, he probably wore it everywhere he went because he loved to show off that beautiful coat. Secondly, why we know that they hated him is that, and we're going to see this a little bit more in the, next, the coming verses, but Joseph's a little bit of a braggart. Uh, when, when God does something for him, when God shows him something really amazing, he tends to brag about it. He tends to boast and, and, and let everyone, he wants everyone to know so for a few of you, you might have someone in your family that is this way. Maybe you work for the boss that has his football trophies all over his, his room, all his certificates and accolades. I think to a certain degree, this is all of us. We like to, when we achieve something, we, like people for, we would like for people to know about it. That's what's the point of achieving something if you can't talk about it. Uh, but Joseph was chatty almost to a fault. Like he just, he just went too far and, and bragged and boasted about it and they hated him for it. Uh, we... we when someone tries to prove superiority over us, it's natural for us to react in a, in a hateful kind of way, and that's what they were doing. And then thirdly, we, um, we see in that one verse, and I think it was in verse three, that, that Joseph was a little bit of a narc. <laughs> he was a little bit of a tattletale. He would narc on his brothers whenever they would do something that wasn't quite right. That's not gonna win you points in your family if you're constantly tattling on your brothers and sisters, and, uh, and he would definitely do that with his brothers. Uh, he probably even exaggerated those things as he was telling them about it. Again, superiority. He's trying to you know, assert himself over his brothers. So we, I think we can safely say that this is definitely a, a, a little bit of a dysfunctional family. They probably need counseling. They probably need a, a little bit of help um, just to kind of you know, improve family ties a little bit. Uh, maybe you come from a family that's similar to that. And I guess I just want to encourage you and say that you're not alone. Um, the, even the, the heroes of the Bible, like in the Old Testament with Joseph that we're going to be looking at, he came from a weird family. Um, he came from, from some, some, some sin. I mean, he, he was not a perfect person for sure. Um, he was doing things he probably shouldn't have done. And uh, so if you come from a background of, of you know, not being perfect and not coming from a perfect family, hey, uh, Joseph, can identify with you. Uh, he, he, he definitely understands that, and you can relate to him, I think, in that way. 
So Joseph's start isn't great, but the dreams that were given to him by God were, were quite lofty. We're going to see those here now. So let's go ahead and reread verse 5, and then we'll go on and read the subsequent verses after that. It says, One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever, and we'll see why. Verse 6, he says, Listen to this dream. He said, We were out in the field. You, you me, all 12 of us were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around mine and bowed low before mine. Ha, huh, isn't that funny? Isn't that a great dream? You guys love that? Verse 8, his brothers responded, probably with their arms crossed. So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So Joseph had another dream, dream number two, and he again told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars all bowed low before me. Now, again, he probably shouldn't be boasting about these dreams. He's probably saying this while he's wearing his robe, which is a problem. Um, so so he's, he's definitely trying to assert himself a little bit before his family. Um, the, second, the second verse is still up on the screen there. Uh, the sun, moon, and 11 stars. The 11 stars being his 11 brothers. The sun and moon being his parents. So he's saying, my, my mom and dad and all of my brothers, my whole family, my whole immediate family, basically, they're all going to bow down to me someday. And this is the dream that he's proud of. Now, one, the first thing that we can pull out about dreams, we're going to talk about four things. The first thing this morning is that God's dreams are oftentimes going to be more than what we can handle. I don't think that Joseph would have ever dreamed this for himself. He would have never woke up one day and said, you know what, I think my whole family's just going to bow down to me someday. I'm going to, I'm going to assert them over them some kind of authority, and they're going to want to bow down to me. I don't think he would have ever come up with this on his own. Even with all of his braggadocious spirit, I don't think he would have come up with this. God's dreams for us are oftentimes way more than what we would ever think for ourselves, and they're way more than what we think we can handle on, on our own. Uh, in fact, God will almost always dream, dream bigger than we will. Um, God is always big picture. I think always, almost always, God's dreams will take a while to develop. Because they're so hard for us to handle, I think God gives us a little bit of lead time. Um, and, and, and the dreams that, before they're realized, take a little while to develop before we're ready to handle exactly what God's dreams are for us. Think about the dreams that you've had, things that you thought, you know, other people have said, man, you'll never get there, you'll never be, be able to achieve that. I'm sure Joseph was getting that same kind of reaction from his brothers. That's never going to happen. We're never going to bow down to you. They're way more than, than he could handle. Um, I wanted to, Shane asked me to talk a little bit about Crosspoint, uh, the dreams that we've had here at Crosspoint Fellowship. There's just a, a really a kind of a smaller number of us here that, that have been around since the very beginning. The, the timing of this series is kind of interesting because we didn't plan it this way, believe it or not, we didn't. But this, the, we've been talking about dreams for a few weeks now, and I realized that this month is the five-year anniversary of Crosspoint. Crosspoint is five years old this month. It actually, just in a few weeks, will be, will be the five-year anniversary. And we started in November of 2008, and, and the dreams that we had back then were, were lofty. They were, they were pretty big dreams. We were, um, we, it was way more than we thought we could handle, for sure, back then. And, and we still feel a little overwhelmed with all the things that God wants us to do. I was thinking back, I read, went back in this week and read some of the early emails. Um, if you were around, you remember some of those emails that we threw around. Um, there was a way of communicating with each other back then. Back then, the church wasn't even called Crosspoint. It was, called, it was actually called The Remnant, which the band has kind of taken that moniker upon ourselves. But the, for the first few weeks, we called ourselves The Remnant. 
and then we changed our name to Crosspoint in December. And the dreams that we started out with when we first started Crosspoint really centered around who we wanted to reach. It really did. When we started Crosspoint, we said, who do we want to come and who do we want to feel comfortable at a church like, that, like Crosspoint that would eventually be called Crosspoint? One of the things that was really important to us was what, what kinds of what kind of, of people do we want to reach and how do we reach them? And so we were looking at, at how do we reach younger people because we saw a lot of younger people not in church in Republic. Um, we, saw, we were saying, how do we reach out to single people? How do we uh, see, seek after young married and p- people that have young children? Um, we saw a lot of churches in town maybe not necessarily reaching out to them for whatever reason. Maybe they're not trying to reach out to that, that people group. But a lot of people in, in Republic, we felt we're not being reached with the gospel, and we wanted to change that. Again, more than what we thought we could handle, but we, we thought we'd, take it, we'd give it a shot. That dream, that dream initially, from the very beginning, has informed every decision that we've ever made. So when you, when you come into this place and you hear the music sounding like it is, the preaching, everything that you see and hear and experience here is on purpose. There's nothing that you can see or experience here that hasn't been talked about, that hasn't been discussed. We've, we've discussed at length about everything because we, all, we want everything to come back to the dream. Uh, Shane, since he's come, Shane's been our pastor for about a year and a half. He has, a little over a year and a half, he has helped us kind of rephrase our dream because we had trouble kind of describing what we wanted. And he has helped us rephrase it into, we are here to stream non-fans to God. That's our mantra. That's the thing that you, if you've been with us for a few months, you've heard that at least once. We are here to stream non-fans to God. Non-fans being people who don't know God and don't know anything about his church. Um, our music is the way it is because of this dream. We live in an entertainment culture, so we want our music to be the same as what you might listen to in, in your radio, on your radio in your car throughout the week. We want to serve people through entertainment. Our preaching is the way that it is because we want to be relevant. We want to be relevant to everyday life. We want to give you practical things to think about and do. Our children and youth programs are the way that they are today because of this same thing. We want it to be relevant to age-appropriate level, but exciting and energy-filled. Our dedication to small groups, we, we love small groups here. We talk about it all the time. Uh, almost every Sunday we'll mention small groups. We know that, that, that growth happens in circles, not in rows, like you are right now. Uh, we, we believe that you can learn some things on Sunday mornings, but true growth happens when you circle up with other believers. And so we've been talk, doing that since day one as well. Uh, since day one, we've been doing, using technology and trying to uh, give people an entertaining and visual w- way to understand what God's word is saying to them. The clothes that we wear, a lot of us wear casual clothes. You know, um, you know not, nothing against churches that don't wear casual clothes. We just, we just want to be the same, wearing the same thing that on Sundays that we would wear throughout the week. Now, sometimes I'll, I'll wear something a little bit nicer, but, but for the most part, I wear just the same stuff I wear during the week because I, when someone who is a non-fan of God, again, it comes back to the dream. The dream says we are here to stream non-fans to God. We want non-fans to come in and feel comfortable like they're one of us. Um, you'll never see Crosspoint in a steepled old church building because that's not who we are. We, we don't, um, again, nothing against old, steepled, old traditional church buildings. We just want to present ourselves as a church where God is doing something new, something's, uh, something's on the move, and, and we're sandwiched in between a Mexican food place and a burger place because we want people to feel comfortable stepping into this building. People that would never feel comfortable stepping into an old traditional church building will feel comfortable here, and we like that. Um, 
Now this is all, again, all on purpose. We want Christ to be accessible. We want the church to be accessible. That's been our dream since day one. We've always been trying to seek after that dream since day one, since we started five years ago. And I can't believe it's already been five years, but here we are today and God is still doing something amazing and he's gonna continue to make that dream uh, available to us and more, more, more realized in the future. We're not perfect. We don't do everything right. We're still learning. You can learn with us, um, but I feel like we do a pretty good job of letting people feel pr- uh, pretty comfortable here. But let me ter- turn it back to you. So what are the dreams that God has put in you? That, I talked some about the dreams that God put in us as a, as a collective body of believers when we started Crosspoint. And we're trying to, every day we keep coming back to that dream. Every week, that, every month that we have our, our leadership meetings, we keep coming back to the dream. What is the, what is the focus? Come back to your dream. What, what was the dream that you had on the, think back to the mountaintop experience that you had. Um, maybe if you grew up in church, maybe it was at a camp that you attended. Maybe it was on a Sunday morning. Uh, maybe it was not in church at all. Maybe it was at your workplace or in your car. Maybe it was at, at a dinner, uh, dinner time with your family at, at your house. So God spoke to you, revealed something to you about you, some kind of dream, gave you some kind of focus, some vision for your life. And since then, things have kind of waned away from that, and, and, kind of, and the dream has kind of, kind of fallen off with time. Uh, some of you here may say, I have no idea what God's dream is for my life. I have no idea what God's vision is for me. Uh, you're not alone. We actually, several of us just completed a series called, a, a small group series called Kazone. And that, that Kazone, um, I think it was the Greek, if I remember, the Greek word for vision, for God's vision. And we've been uh, kind of talking about, you know, what, what is God's dream for us? And um, we're going to throw these up on the screen for you. The, there's three different ways that you can kind of figure out what, where, where God's vision is, God's dream is for your life. And we don't have time to go through all of it, but just in a couple minutes, I'll just kind of synopsize what we've been talking about. But one of them, the first one is past experiences. If God has given you certain experiences in your past that make you unique, things that you, only you have gone through, things that you have experienced. Now, some of those things could be negative. They could be traumatizing experiences that you went through, or it could be positive, things that you enjoyed that maybe other people haven't enjoyed. How do your past experiences inform God's vision or God's dream for your life? Secondly, your passions or your core values, the things that really matter to you. It could be the things that you get really excited about, maybe stuff that you only you get excited about, no one else, you don't understand why no one gets excited about this but you that's maybe something that's a core value to you. Um, maybe it's something that makes you angry. Maybe it's something that, hey, man, that, every time that happens, that makes me so angry, and you don't understand why no one else gets angry about it, but you, you're the only one that gets really passionate about it. Uh, maybe that's a passion or a core value for you. So that's something to think about when you're thinking about God's dream for your life. And then thirdly, what are your gifts? What are your abilities? What, what kinds of things has God enabled you to do? Maybe there's stuff that no one else can do. Maybe it's something that only a few other people can do. But what are the gifts and abilities that you have that you feel like God himself has given you? And we can help you discover what those are as well. Where those two, three things come together, past experiences, passions, and gifts, all kind of fuse together, kind of that Venn diagram, they all just kind of overlap together. That just might be God's dream for your life. That might just be God's vision for what he wants to do with you. Now, he, God may not appear to you in a dream and make it real easy for you like he did for Joseph, but we can help you and talk, talk with you uh, the, through those things to figure those things out. So 
We know that God's dreams are going to be big. They're going to be more than what we can handle. They're going to be, feel so far above what we think that we can do. And it's going to take a long time for those to develop. But how do we know that those dreams are from God and not just something we came up with on our own? Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's reread verse 3 of chapter 37, and then we'll read verses 10 and 11 as well. Uh, this is uh, all about Jacob, Jacob's reaction. He says, in verse three, he says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had, made, had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. He's already says that there's something different about this man, this, this son of mine. There's gonna be, God's gonna use him. Verse 10, this time, and this is after the second dream about his whole family, including his parents, uh, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the, bow to the ground below, before you? Verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his, father's, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Now that last phrase in verse 11 is so interesting to me. In the previous verse, in verse 10, it says that he was just scolding him for the dream. But in verse 11, it says that in the quiet moments, in the moment where he lays his head down on the pillow at the end of the day and is thinking about the dream, thinking more about what Joseph had told him about what he dreamed, in the quiet moments, he wonders, he, could, could this be? Could, could this actually happen? He, he starts to almost wonder, could this, could, could this actually happen? Um, why was Jacob's reaction so different? Um, I think part of it is just because he was his father. I think fathers and mothers are a little bit more open to the dreams that their kids have as opposed to what siblings have for their their other sibling. Um, I think a lot of it, though, had to do with Jacob had dreams himself. He was not, Joseph was not the first in his family to have dreams from God. Um, Jacob, if you were with us for the last series, we talked about, we spent a whole Sunday talking about a dream that Jacob had, where it was, remember the stairway to heaven? He, He dreamed this dream about that God was wanted him to have. I think how we can relate that to us today is if you've had a dream, if you've had a dream that you felt like God has given you and that dream has come true, God has fulfilled that dream in you and you are uh, quote unquote living the dream to a certain point with God, I think you're 10 times more likely to identify or want to look for dreams in other people. And so that brings up the second point I wanna make about dreams that others will see God's dreams in us. If God has given you a dream, others are gonna identify that dream in you. They're gonna confirm it in you. A good sign, in fact, a good sign that God has given you a dream at all is that other people will confirm it in you. When I was, when I was younger, when I was in high school, I, I knew music was something that I wanted to pursue. I wasn't sure how I would do that. I wasn't sure how, what that would look like. But I knew that my past experiences, uh, my dad was a music minister before me. He was a worship leader. I grew up watching him lead worship. And I was experienced, obviously exposed to worship experiences a lot when I was younger, um, before, way before high school. Uh, my passions, I loved music, I loved singing, I loved uh, worship in general. And then my giftings, I, I felt like I was, had a gift towards music and a gift towards singing. All three of those things kind of were coming together and I, I kind of felt like God was leading me towards music and specifically musical worship. When I was in high school, the best way to start to see if that's <laughs> your dream is just to try it, just, just jump out there and start doing it. So when I was in high school, I started leading worship for my youth group, for my peers. And, and um, got a lot of feedback. It wasn't the experience itself that made me, that confirms God's dream for me. It was really the feedback that I got that was the most important part of that. And you, you've experienced something similar to that. Not all the feedback was positive, a lot, especially when I was first trying it out. Some of it was, con, let's say, constructive instead of negative. 
Um, a lot of it was positive. A lot of people were saying, yes, you know, when you sang that, it really spoke to me, or I never heard it uh, performed that way, or man, you, 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 know, you really brought, brought me into worship when you did this or that. And so that started to confirm it in me. I, I truly believe that if God has given you a dream for your life and you start to flesh out that dream, you start to live it out, that others will confirm it in you and they will see what, what God already sees in you. We're gonna need encouragement along the road. We need other people to confirm our dreams with us. Now, let me say this before we go on to the next point, that I, I do, as though we do need people to encourage us and to encourage our dreams to say, yes, I see this in you. Yes, I confirm this. I believe that God is, is, is telling you that this is what you need to do. Um, at the same time, I think we also need people to kind of keep us in check with our dreams a little bit. Uh, Shane calls this the American Idol syndrome. And if you've seen American Idol, you, you know exactly what I'm going to say. I, I haven't watched American Idol in, in years and years, but uh, I almost feel tempted to watch those first few weeks because they're just so hilarious. I mean, some of the people are really good, and some of them are just like, how, how in the world did they get to this point? Imagine all the people that they had to go through before they got to that stage. So they had to go through their parents, they had to go through their friends, that singing competition that they did at their high school. They, they had to go through all of that, all those stages. They had to wait in line for two or three hours, all the while thinking, can I do this, can I do this? And they truly believe that when they come up there and destroy your favorite song, that, that they believe that they are the next Kelly Clarkson, you know, Carrie Underwood or whatever. They, they think that they are gonna be the next American Idol and they are awful, I mean, absolutely terrible. And no one ever, yeah, and no, no one ever, Stopped, stopped them and said, hey, look, this probably isn't your calling in life. Like, you're probably not going to be the next Kelly Clarkson, you know? And so I think we need this as well. We, in the same way that other people will see it in us, I think we need people to, to, say, to step in and say, hey, look, I'm not sure I see this in you, or let's, let's talk about this some more and see maybe if God has a slightly different dream for you. I think we need people to not only encourage us, but also to, to help us to discover if that's maybe not the dream that has, God has for us, what is that dream for us? So listen to other people. Find people that you trust. Find people that, that you are going to do life with and it can speak into your life and confirm those dreams in you. Um, so that's, that's the second point. The third point this morning is that others won't be able to handle God's dreams for us. And this is gonna sound almost contradictory to what I just said, but, but I think a lot of people when we feel like God's given us a dream, that they're not gonna be able to handle what, what we feel like God's dream is for us. And we, sometimes we just need to plow through that and plow through that persecution when it comes. Um, we see that in verses four and five and 11. His brothers reacted poorly to his dreams. They, they hated him for the dream. In fact, they probably told him, look, you know, don't pay any attention to that dream. It's not going to happen. Uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus echoes the same thing. We'll throw the verse up on the screen, Matthew 5:11. If you were with us a couple series ago, we, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. This is from that sermon. Jesus said this. He said, God blesses you when people mock and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Jesus says that persecution is going to come. If you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna care about my dreams for you, you are going to experience persecution. It's going to happen. People are going to come and mock you and try to destroy the dream that you have. Why would people do this? Why would people come and try to destroy the dreams that we have? Uh, I think there's several reasons. Shane and I were talking about, about it this week and he threw out a couple ideas. Some people just simply stop dreaming. I think some people say, you know, there's no point in dreaming. What's gonna happen is gonna happen. Why even have a dream? 
And so they don't like it when other people dream around them. Other people maybe had their dream crushed at some point. They had a dream, they were excited about it, they were pursuing that dream, and someone came in and said, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You'll never be able to do that. And they had their dream crushed, and so maybe they feel, well, no, if I can't have a dream, no one else should have a dream. And it's, they almost feel vindictive. Maybe they don't think that people should dream. Maybe they don't believe in dreams. Maybe they don't believe in, in aspirations of any kinds. And maybe they think that maybe whatever you are dreaming about or you feel like God has given you a vision for, that maybe you shouldn't pursue that at all. Uh, maybe they just simply don't like your dream. <laughs> maybe they just they think, oh, your dream's offensive to me, or, maybe, or I don't think anyone should ever dream the way that you're dreaming. That's not right for a church to do or for a person that believes in Christ to do. Uh, whatever the reason is, um, I think we can all identify with what Joseph went through. People will try to come and try to destroy the dream that we feel like God has given us. We'll talk about this at length. We'll talk about this way more, so I'm going to stop here for now. Come back next week. Shane's going to uh, talk about this a lot next Sunday. We're going to see the, the um, persecution come to an ugly head with Joseph's brothers, to put it mildly. Um, some things are going to happen to Joseph as a direct relationship to this persecution that his, his brothers have for him, and we'll talk a lot, a lot about that next week. But I want to say today that as, as you encounter people that can't handle God's dreams for you, that's okay. And just keep moving, go, keep moving past them. If it's somebody that you trust that's trying to speak into you, maybe pause and stop for a second. But other people that you don't know are going to try to crush the dreams that you have. And I'll add this, sadly, that the squelching of those dreams can often come from within the church, not from outside of the church. So be aware of that as well. Don't, um, just because someone calls themselves a believer or comes every Sunday doesn't mean that they're going to identify appropriately the dreams that God has for you. Dream big with God and listen to the people that you trust, but oftentimes the squelching of those dreams can, sadly, can come from within the church, not from outside. Um, we don't see that Joseph really gets discouraged through the story. We see him just keep trekking on. I would think that he would have had to have been discouraged, especially when all 11 of his brothers are destroying the dream that he just had, but he keeps moving and he keeps trekking along. Again, we'll see that a lot next week. And then the last point I want to make just about dreams this morning is that we have to handle God's dreams carefully. And we see this in a negative sense. We see what not to do in the case of Joseph and the fact that he, at least early on, later in life he, he handles the dream a little bit better, but early on in his life, when he's given, especially when he's first given the dream, he handles it really poorly. He brags about it. He, there is a possibility. He maybe even thought he was telling his brothers and his family, he maybe even thought that, that they would bow down to him right then in that, in that moment. He was on a roll with a robe and with all his father's doting and everything. Maybe he, it's possible, we don't know this from the text, but it's possible that he maybe even thought that the dream was going to be realized right then and there. He didn't handle it properly. So um, a couple things that we can kind of extrapolate from that is uh, know that your dream is going to take some time. It's not going to happen immediately. Perhaps Joseph thought the same way. Um, the other thing is, don't brag about the gifts and abilities that God's given you. Um, God has given you something that's for you only. Now, can you, does that mean you shouldn't share it with anybody? No, you should. You should share it with people that you trust, people that can pray along with you, that can encourage you. Again, the things that we already discussed this morning. But maybe don't blab about it to everyone that you see. Brag about it. Oh, you know, well, God's going to do amazing things through me. You kind of see that in Joseph, and I, I feel like he's taken it way too far. He's, he's, he's a braggart uh, with, with the gift that God's given him. Um, the, the New Testament talks about 
working silently with your hands, working silently, working humbly with the gifts and abilities and the dream that God's given you. Yes, move forward with your dream, but maybe do it quietly and humbly and seek God first um, in all things as you move forward. Be careful about who you talk to and how you talk to them and be diligent about seeking God's plans humbly. And then, and then lastly, I just want to say that um, it's important for us not to sit back on our laurels. And we've, I talked about this um, in the last series just a little bit when we were talking about being formed, but oftentimes churches, every church suffers from this, not just Crosspoint, but every church is going to suffer from what I call vision disconnect. It's when God gives us a vision for something, but we're not willing to contribute to it. So God wants to do something through Crosspoint, but I don't want to have anything to do with it. Or God wants this church to grow, but I don't want to invite anybody to the church. Um, God wants the community to feel like we are here to serve them, but I don't want to serve. Um, God wants Mission 2014 to be a big deal. You know, we're, we're looking at, you know, moving into a new building next year, if God willing, if, God, if that's what God wants. Um, but I don't want to give. I don't want to pledge towards that. Vision disconnect. If God has given you a vision and God has given you a dream, you have to start working towards that. You have to start walking forward, walking towards that. Um, Shane, last year, was, was talking about if that means you have to crawl. It, you know, I've, some days I feel like I can soar. Some days I feel like I can only crawl. Then crawl. Crawl towards the dream that God has given you. And, and roll, just last, right before we conclude, I just want you to know, I felt like God was placing this on my heart to share with you this morning. You are valuable to God's kingdom. Every one of you is valuable. Oftentimes when we talk about dreams and heroes and stuff like that, we think about ch- uh, church staff, church leadership. If I'm not a small group leader, I'm not making a difference for God's kingdom. That could not be any further than the truth. Um, God is going to use, in fact, most of you in this room will not be in leadership in some, in some capacity. There, there's just, we can't all be leaders all at the same time. So I know the majority of you are not, but God is going to give a dream and a vision to everyone in this room. I, I, I promise you, if you know God, if you're walking with him, if you are a part of his family, he will give you a vision and a dream for your life. It just may not be in a leadership role, but God's still going to use you and you are important. We cannot do the church, and I mean the big C church, the worldwide church without you. And you have to step into the dream that God has for you. So just kind of recapping this morning, God's going to initiate dreams within us. They're not going to come from ourselves. God's going to give it to us. Um, They're going to be way more than what we think we can handle, but God's going to help us handle it. It's going to take time. It's going to take a process. He wants us to be involved in those dreams and listen to other people. We need other people to encourage us through those dreams along the way. We need to step through persecution and see those dreams realized and handle them carefully. Um, God has initiated the dream that is within you. Maybe it's something that you haven't thought about in 10 years, but God initiated that dream inside of you at one point, and he wants you to, to, to bring that back into focus. He wants you to, to revitalize the dream that you had. All you have to do, all he's asking you to do today is be passionate towards it. Just think about it, pray about it, be passionate. God, how would you re- reawaken this dream within me? How would you make my dream a reality, the dream that you gave me? Um, the band's going to come up. We're going to sing several songs just in, in response to what we read today about Joseph and about dreams and about how God wants to, to, to revitalize the dreams within us. We have to give God our dreams in order for him to, uh, to work in us. So as they're coming, two questions that I want you to think about today. Um, I forgot to put these up on the screen for you, but two questions that I want you to think about um, as you go to lunch today or as you go into your small group this week. 
two questions. One is, what dreams has God put inside of you long ago? Maybe it's a dream that you've forgotten about. Maybe you haven't thought about it since high school. Maybe you haven't thought about it since college. Maybe it's been five years. God gave you a dream, and, and at some point, it either got smashed by somebody or it just kind of filtered out over time. It just kind of faded away. What was that dream? Second question, what happened to the passion for that dream? What happened to the passion for that vision for, that you felt like God was giving you, and how do you get it back? So what was the dream? What, 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 what did you feel like God was speaking to you about, about your life, how he was gonna use you? And what happened to the passion? How do you get that back? How do you get, get the passion for that dream back? We wanna help you with that. We wanna walk with you through that. And that's what this whole series is designed to do. Uh, you don't have to figure everything out today, but I just want you to start thinking about it and start praying about it. God, what, what kind of dream did you put inside me long ago that I need to get the passion back for? So let me go ahead and pray for you. And, um, and, and I'm just gonna be praying that God's vision would just be incredible and, and, and real in your life. So let's pray together and then we'll sing and just surrender our dreams to God. God, we, we thank you that you are always on the move, that you are always creating visions for us that are, that are, some of them are lofty, some of them are way more than what we think we can handle. Oftentimes we get thoughts in our head and we say, no, I could never do that. I could never accomplish that. Uh, that's, that's just a fleeting thought and I just need to forget about that. But, but what if, God, what if, what if those thoughts were actually from you? What if they were actually things that you were trying to get us to do? Um, we want to come back to that. We want to come back to the passions that we once had for you. We want to come back to the passions for the dream that, you, that we, we know that you gave us long ago. Lord, as we sing and as we respond to you, God, um, just be real to us and make these dreams uh, so real so that we can help realize them and take the next steps to make those dreams a reality. We love you, God. In your name I pray. Amen.